G'day, I'm Washi Ginsberg. This is Cocktails and Roses discussing Brooke Blurton's journey to find love. I am joined today by the recently engaged Alicia Aitken Rathbun. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, any conversation that I've had now, my hand's just in front of my face or in the general vicinity. <laughs> I've noticed that we started the Zoom call and all I could see was something shiny. Look at you. So were you surprised? Oh my gosh. I I had no idea. I thought that like, I knew, I, I felt that it would happen eventually. I just didn't know that he was there yet. I was thinking maybe like a year, year or so down the track, but pleasantly very welcome. Did he get down on one knee? Yeah, of course. Perth City skyline in the background, beautiful sunset. Plus, some random people, probably listeners of Cocktails and Roses, I hope, got a video, got a creep shot of the proposal, (laughs) which I'm very grateful for, so grateful for. Now, old school question, relevant question, did he ask you folks? Well... Don't really have a relationship with my dad, so that one didn't happen. But rang my mum on the Saturday for her blessing, which I thought was really special. And I think that that is... A lot of people have, like, framed it as asking permission, but I think it's different to that. I think it's still really nice to be like, hey, this is a big thing that I plan to do and I want to bring you into the fold. I I used... Maybe it used to be asking permission, Mm. but I think it's a sign of... It's a mark of respect. I think. Totally. And mum was like so wrapped. A lot of people will remember her from when she first met Glenn on Bachelor in Paradise season three. And her excitement was palpable, the same level for the whole time. Oh, look, I'm, I'm so happy. And um, we may need to put some sort of filter on this video call so I can see your face. <laughs> Just glinting at you. Yeah, just a bit of face up there. Look, we are not here just to talk about your fantastic engagement, Paul the goalie. Uh, we are also here to talk about episode three and episode four of Brooks' season of The Bachelorette. If you haven't watched it right now, pause this podcast, go to Template, catch up. We won't be offended, but you'll be offended if you keep listening because we're going to spoil everything. Here we go. Let's go. Episode three, we saw Brooke take Holly on a single date. They dropped into a lovely stang. What was it like for you watching the ladies cruise through the country lanes in a, in a lovely little red pony? Oh, gosh. I totally bought into Brooke's fantasy here of where she's like at the end. It's almost, it felt like, I don't even know if I've seen this movie, but I feel like, have you seen Bonnie and Clyde? I don't know which version. I, I remember, I've listened to an, a Jay-Z song about it. Does that count? <laughs> I feel like it's very like old school Hollywood Mustang driving through, arm around. It was, it was beautiful. And it really set the scene for the day. It absolutely did. And as they got to the date, it's pretty clear there's some, like we've seen single dates on Bachelor and Bachelorette where it's like, and now we're doing a ropes course or and now we're doing candle making. And it's pretty clear, like, is something going to happen here? Is, what's, is there anything going on? From the jump, it's chemistry, isn't it? Yeah, it's just they're, they're clearly very nervous around each other, which I found very endearing. 
And I, I really enjoyed, they, they're doing a lot of dancing. Every part of their journey has now been punctuated by dancing, the slow dance at the beginning. Then we had the photo shoot. And now here they're salsa dancing. And dancing is a very intimate act. Wouldn't you say, Osha? <laughs> Oh, you, back in the day, back in the day, absolutely. Like when, you know, kind of premarital rooting was frowned upon, <laughs> the only way that you could get close to somebody... A bit of salsa dancing. It was to... I don't know if you've ever danced the salsa, but uh, a, a woman kind of grinding her nether regions upon your upper thigh can do things for a fella. Well, and I think it's really important as well in terms of learning something together, which can sometimes be pretty intimidating when you're first getting to know somebody. Yeah. Even for couples way down the track. I, I know I looked at Glenn while we were watching this scene and not that we've explicitly talked about it, but I said to him, babe, this is the reason why I want to go and do like a couple of weeks of dance lessons because I think something about let's let's take the first dance at a wedding. I think something special about that is the fact that you've sort of done this task together that's probably quite outside of your comfort zone. It was outside of Brooke's comfort zone, but you push through that. Yeah. You have to like sort of get your coordination together and achieve something together. And I felt that Brooke and Holly just nailed it. Yeah, there's absolutely definitely a connection here and it's no surprise that Holly gets a rose. I mean, first out of the limo on the first night, Brooke and Holly have clearly got something going on. I, and I, I loved the conversation that the two of them had. I really did. I loved the way it played out, that they cut it without any music, that it was just, this is what it is. And the, the way that Holly talked about her family, the way that Brooke talked about her past, it was just like if you've never had... A, anyone who's not heteronormative in your life, just that three minutes of television should pretty much bring you up to speed. It was amazing. It was so amazing. I thought Holly was a really old soul. And the other thing that sort of struck me watching them sitting on this couch, being like having these, this really incredible conversation was I think that this three minutes of TV is really powerful as well because I know that a lot of my friends that have dated women in the past or dated someone of the same sex or diverse gender, it can be very intimidating to know, just to speak from my personal experience, I've had girlfriends come to me being like, I really want to date women and I feel nervous about how to go about that. It's just a different dynamic. And I think that this is also a really good demonstration for young by curious girls, girls who want to explore their sexuality of being comfortable with other women and, you know, dating and courting and flirting. It was awesome. It was just beautiful and really sets the scene for the rest of the season. And I'm, I'm thrilled. That's, that's not the rest of the season. It's just as Brooke's adventures unfold, it really, really sets the scene as to what happens from here. This show is all about love. This show is about Brooke finding love in a way that is meaningful to her. And what says love more than a gigantic, inflatable, bouncy castle with bungee cords that involves some sort of weird tug of war that people are strapped into to grab fluffy love hearts out of the centre? I mean, that's really the traditional way of showing love. Of course. As far as I'm aware. I mean, that, I'm sure that's how you and Audrey met. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a romantic courtship phase in Paddington one night. You scooped up three of those fluffy I hearts sure and did. then bada bing, bada boom. I sure did. Man, I was hitting that air horn so much. I think I'm ready for my DJ career. Oh, my God. I literally have in my notes, Glenn's like, Osha loves that horn, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I think it's because, you know, as any any great DJ knows that the most important <laughs> drop of the night is a like that's really if you can't mix the air horn is what you need like if you can't beat match then you just that's what you need and then off you go and the air horn is the thing that helps every night that's when you know the party's really starting a lot of competition going on a lot of physicality and there's some very fit men and women here and what was interesting is the bungee cords were adjusted to their weight so when you had people of different sizes yeah so when you had people of different sizes going up against each other it was uh, adjusted to, uh, uh, like Survivor, not that we'd steal anything from them. Yes. It was a percentage of their body weight, basically. <laughs> so they were they were going against the same resistance as far as power to weight goes. Oh, so can I ask a question? So in Survivor, it's sort of known within the fandom that there are these, got to be the best job in the world. There's basically like people who go test the challenges uh-huh. before the survivors do. Yeah. Did we have people testing the bungee cords and fluffy hearts? <laughs> yes. Uh, it was very hard to get them because they're out in Cloncurry shooting season four or five of Survivor, but season six of Survivor. But we made, we did manage to get a few, and hence why our dates are the most romantic of all, because they have that little Savatula touch. I felt like this was a full circle moment for Brooke as well because one of the moments that sticks in my mind about our season back when we were vying for the heart of Nick Cummins was obviously Moon Hopping Netball, another very romantic game. And (laughs) Brooke and I were on the Moon Hopping Netball field. Probably one of the most, I'd have to say, like, I haven't seen all of your other ridiculous love games, Osha, but Moon Hopping Netball has to be up there with one of the most chaotic. It was. <laughs> it was just basically a fist fight at the end. It was. That was a, that was a rough day at the office for me. Someone got hurt. <laughs> so, well, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee ended up in a moon boot for the whole time she was there. Yeah, Jamie Lee got hurt. Nick was supposed to be the ref. He just decided it was fine for everyone to tackle each other. Um, Whoever invented, like they had to invent so many games on that season. Oh, this will end up in the Daily Mail, so don't shoot it. Yeah, yeah. Moon Hopper Netball was, uh, I think, one of the most romantic things we've ever done. Uh, up there was foot golf, and which was the same season. Foot golf was a classic. Brittany Hockley and Nick Cummins. Yeah, romance. <laughs> Nothing says romance. Like foot golf. Like made-up bachelor games. Now Brooke's on the other side, so we've yes. come full circle. Yeah, we've come full circle. And uh, what happened here is the people who, who got through the first challenge got to get into the compatibility situation, which is always fun. And I think it's very important to get these kind of conversations out of the way. And we were hitting the hard stuff early. We're talking about money. Talking about money, we're talking about finance, talking about savings, talking about spendings, like all that stuff is really, really important to get out of the gate early on. And the the I guess the visual aspect of it was to, you know, cut hearts. Because I mean, you're making television, right? How are you gonna show what people are feeling inside? You give them a physical thing to do that represents what they're feeling at the moment. And um, it was you get to cut someone else's heartstrings, i.e., you get to show and demonstrate to Brooke and to everybody watching. No, actually, I see, you know, I, I would rather have a bit of an advantage over this person because I want to has, have time with Brooke because there was a rose on offer, right? David just copped it left and right. 
Oh my gosh. So you can totally see what the undercurrent of feeling is there in the mansion. And I think, you know, they, they sort of explicitly talk about it, that everyone's feeling very intimidated by David and Brooke's connection. And I think we see that evolve into the cocktail party. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I, I really thought that this was a great compatibility challenge. And what I really liked about it as well was I thought it also gave us a little bit of a more, more of an insight into Brooke as well. I see Brooke regularly. I feel like I know her as a person. But now I found out that she has a spreadsheet to track the minutiae of her finances. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. I see you. (laughs) Woman in control. There was uh, someone I worked with for a long time. She actually works in Network 10 now. She takes a spreadsheet on holiday. She has a spreadsheet that comes with them on holiday. And I'm talking, this is where we're going to have breakfast. This is what's off the menu that I know you're going to like. And this is how many euros it's going to cost us. I don't know how you relax. That's how she relaxes. What are you, Osha? You are an A, B or C. Are you a spreadsheet guy? That's why the elastic on the corners, it's always hard to put on by yourself, right? (laughs) Especially on the big bed. And I can never figure out which end's the bottom. That's the hardest part. (laughs) That's the hardest part. I think when I'm thinking about this friend of mine, she relaxes because she feels a sense of control. And I get that around money and I get that Brooke definitely has that. And I was I was fascinated watching this happen yes. with Brooke. Emily yeah. uh, sorted it out. Everyone got onto the uh, bench eventually and it ended up with Emily and felt a bit odd at the cocktail party when she goes, like, I've got a rose. I don't know. You know like She's like, mm. Oh, this dynamic was like, I've actually never seen it this pronounced. I feel like in previous seasons, the dynamic has actually been the group sort of established this this idea that if you've got a rose, you don't go and speak to the bachelor or bachelorette. And everyone sort of rallies around that idea and then gets angry at the person who inevitably has a rose and wants to keep their connection going. But I thought that the script was sort of flipped here in the sense that Emily sort of posits her, she sort of leads and is like, I've got a rose. I'm going to like respect all of you guys. I'm not like, I feel safe. I'm just going to wait till next week. And I really enjoyed seeing David sort of push against that notion and say, no, every minute of my time and really reflecting on my own experiences on The Bachelor and in the mansion, he is completely correct. And when you really like someone as well, like I feel so grateful that in paradise, you basically get to spend 24 7 to the point that I'm like okay I've had enough of you Claire I'm gonna go do some socializing (laughs) elsewhere but really on the bachelorette or the bachelor you need every scarab of time that you can pick up so you can continue advancing and deepening your connection with that person so I really enjoyed seeing this script flipped and I thought that most of the group sort of traveled towards David's thesis statement if you will what did you think of it? Look, we've heard it before. We've heard it as like, I'm not here to make friends, which is true. But I don't think we've ever had someone be quite so unapologetic about it. And it was recognised from a few other people there. And they were like, yeah, fair enough. Totally understand that. He That's what he's here for. Let him do it. It was also nice to not see it villainized. I feel like sometimes in the past people have come out, like the the example that sticks in my mind is probably Abby Chatfield doing the like, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here for Matt, I'm going to use every piece of time that I can get. Mm. And I don't know whether, I like, I think a big portion of that can be gender dynamics. I think that if a guy sort of asserts himself and says, no, I'm not here for like a bloody sleepover, I'm here to win the heart of Brooke, 
and get to know her. Yeah. It was nice to not see his behaviour so villainized as it has been by previous groups. Copy that. Absolutely. Even to the point where he, there was a pash at the cocktail party. <laughs> a pash. It was like... <laughs> I was like this close to messaging Brooke and being like, mate, are you right here? It's like, I was like, I'm going to go make a cup of tea. I'll be back. I'll, I could cook a steak right now. Four minutes on each side. It went for a while. Yeah. Some of the ladies left at the end of episode three. And in a moment, we're going to get on a very mobile episode four. There's motorbikes, there's EVs, there's Conrad with his shirt off. See you on the other side of the ads. This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aitken-Radburn. Are you going to be a triple hyphen uh, now? Oh, I, I, to be honest, I'm not going to call it this early, but it's definitely not going to be. The triple hyphen is definitely not a thing. A big, big reason why I would consider changing my name is it's a lot easier to spell Smith over the phone than Aitken-Radburn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how traumatic it is? A-I-T-K. Oh, my gosh. If I don't have to ever stop myself and say, yes, that's Aiken. Oh, now there's a hyphen. Radburn. I will be just over the moon. (laughs) So we're not going to triple bet. Just Smith. That's what we're going to go with. I think we're leaning towards that. Right, right. People ask, but people ask me about about Audrey, and I'm like, and it's up completely your, you know, it's your call. But like, and I get it. Like, as far as I'm concerned, she's already got a name. Yeah, absolutely. For me, for me, I've always thought, and we could do a whole podcast segment on this. But yes. for me, I've always likened it like less of an ownership thing and more like how I put a bumper sticker on my car to be like, hey. <laughs> also, my best friend is Hannah Smith, so I feel like it just it works. Oh, you'd be amazed. Some of the biggest females I know change their name. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, probably because they're an Aitken Radburn like me and just like never want to have to spell an email address ever again. It's <laughs> funny, actually, this particular woman that I'm speaking about, she has a particularly tricky last name as well. Oh, my God. Um, moving into episode four. Finally, my man gets his time in the sun. I am in love with Conrad. I love this man so much. I feel like the whole of Australia is going to be in love with Conrad after this. What did you think of this motorbike, Conrad riding a motorbike and then pivoting into uh, a self-care pamper day at Conrad's spa. What made it better is they did the AB jump cut to the last time Brooke was on the back of a motorbike uh, in our season. <laughs> Honestly, any time we cut back to Badger, you just like, oh, yeah, we really, we really did that at one time. Wow. Oh. <laughs> It's like a reminder. You're like, oh, oh, Conrad, I'm in love with you. It was that time we did that thing. Yeah, and he was real. And she was, wow. He was real. Anyway, um, to see Conrad on the back of a motorbike was like, he knows knows his way around. He knew what was going on. And it was a beautiful motorbike too, by the way. Then they, they get to the uh, the pampered date. They get to a bit of self-care. And um, whoops-a-daisy, Conrad's robe just falls off. And... (laughs) Brooke's reaction was just delicious. It's like coming downstairs. It's like coming downstairs to the Pier 1 Hotel in Sydney and seeing the breakfast buffet and going, oh, yeah. 
It's not exactly a poker face. She was like, <laughs> I mean, if Conrad needed any indicator that she was attracted to him, her like maybe her picking her jaw up from the ground was indicator enough. Mate, I was like that looking. I, I saw the man with his shirt off. Oh my god, me too. I was like, sorry, Glenn, as I passed my engagement <laughs> ring over. Boy, howdy, <laughs> man, man, that's that takes dedication. Like you, you're someone that's cut, oh. you know, before. You, yeah, that is. A, that is dedication in the kitchen. You don't look like that unless you are very, very clever about what you eat. My goodness. I can't remember whether he said, I'm not like a usual tradie. I don't have an iced coffee and sausage roll. Or he does have an iced coffee and sausage roll. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing by his body he didn't have a sausage roll. <laughs> no. No, I don't think. I think when the pie van shows up, he's he's already got something in a in a bit of a ziploc container that he yes. uh, he's made. As as Brittany Weldon said, I bet you weigh your chicken. I bet you weigh. Here's a man that looks like he weighs his chicken, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, it was so nice to watch the two of them connect. You know, when they were applying the facial masks, the mud masks, uh, the pore cleansers, whatever it was, listening to the way that Conrad talked. And the way he talked about his family, I was just so moved by his parents. This is what happens when you love a kid no matter how they want to be. This is who shows up. This is who they grow into as a man. This beautiful, strong, powerful, driven, kind human being that, you know, he's gorgeous, but just that is someone who has been loved so much by his folks. And I just, my heart glowed listening to him speak about his folks. He was awesome, and I think that Conrad was exactly the person that Brooke needed in front of her when she sort of became a bit overwhelmed and emotional when they're sitting on the couch and they're sharing a glass of wine. She really did become pretty overwhelmed with emotion, and he was just so caring, really allowed her space to feel those emotions. Mm. Didn't like, didn't make her feel like she, I think sometimes when people are met with uh, confronting emotional situations, particularly when you might, you've only sort of, you're starting to get to know someone, someone might be tempted to try and shut the situation down, probably still in a tender way, but be like, oh, it's okay, don't worry, and try and stop the emotion. But he really just held this sort of supportive space for her, was wiping her tears away, and it was such a beautiful moment. I also loved that winding back slightly when it went to them, they've got their masks on, they're doing their nail polish, and Brooke, like, asks if she can paint his nails, and he's, like, already got a set on. (laughs) He's the best. While we're back there... How good was his move to just lean over and he's like, there's the kiss. There it is. We don't have to worry about later. Here it is right now. These are my favorite moments when it comes to kisses and dates on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. It's when it's very natural and it's not, it doesn't have that big like, oh, here's your rose, here's the build-up. So we saw him steal that one little kiss, which I loved. And then when they were in the shower, That was just like, I love it when people just identify the moment without needing the cue of a rose. Jesus, that was hot. (laughs) Yeah. Just him leaning over and just under the shower, it was, boy, it was like, (laughs) are we in prime time here? Crikey. Like, do we need to put a content warning out? (gasps) And her on her little tippy toes. 
so cute. Her little tippy toes reaching up to kiss him. Like, if there's one thing that I, 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 you know, I might be different from other people, right? But there's one thing that I find sexier than anything, and that is intention. Oh, absolutely. You know? Because it's a different skill set and it's a different, it elevates everything. Yeah. Like when you think, I used to live in Bondi Beach, which is a topless beach, and walking to the surf, there's ladies lying on a beach towel with the tops off. Those are not boobs to get aroused over because there's no intention that I should see them. They're just there. All right? But if it's like a, I'm not showing you this, would you like to? Now I am. Like, that's, like, now that's, now we're talking. Wow. I'm thinking Osher Ginsberg's love song dedications right there. You're getting it. <laughs> but that she was up on her tippy, tippy, tiptoes. Oh. Like, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm wanting to come up. Like, it was just a beautiful piece of television. I was, ah, oh, I was so happy for the two of them. There was a rose, obviously. Come on. And then somehow there's an ad break and we come back and there's a group date that involves as all romantic things do, uh, go-kart racing, uh, folding towels and fairy lights, which is real, real important because we are The Bachelor and if the fairy lights are tangled, there's no show. I mean, it's a good demonstration of what you've got to offer in a relationship because that's got to be the most frustrating, awful job ever in the world. (laughs) It can be a punish. It can be an absolute punish. Early on, however, Tage hit a wall pretty hard. Like those things fly. They're electric and they really go. You know me. I love an electric vehicle. Those things go like fast. And um, Tage hit the hit the hit the wall really quite significantly, which you know led to her not being at the rose ceremony later on. There was a moment where during the untangling situation, everyone's kind of competing with each other, and then Carissa, brilliant move. Carissa comes over to lend a bit of a hand. Yeah, so I think this was really, this brought it back for us. Carissa and Brooke really connected on the red carpet. And I think we've sort of, you know, we haven't seen that connection since. And I think Brooke also speaks to that pretty explicitly. She says directly to Carissa, you know, I really felt it with you on the red carpet, but I feel like you've sort of, your personality has sort of faded. And that can happen when you're in this really big, intimidating group. And so I think that Carissa sort of showing something very natural to her personality and just going over to assist sort of that slither of that connection sort of, I'm using lots of metaphors here, but let's say the spark ignited again. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's happened to, it's happened to me, it's happened to you, it's happened to everybody. When whatever you thought was there the first time around, the second time, oh, now it's not there now. Whatever has happened between the two of you, in that space, may have affected it, might not have, but maybe you're seeing things you didn't see or hearing things you didn't hear. But it was beautiful that, and it showed us a lot about Brooke as well. It showed us that uh, Brooke is, I'm interested in someone who who wants to to help. Yeah. And that, that was really telling about who Brooke is and what she's interested in. And just made me like her even more, to be honest. It's it's a bit of a roller coaster though, because, you know, Carissa wins the challenge yeah. and they do go and have that one-on-one time. And when they kiss, Brooke sort of shares that she didn't really feel the connection in the kiss. So I'm really interested to see how that evolves because, I mean, I'm sure, Osha, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've definitely had, and I'm not talking about Glenn, disclaimer here, but I've definitely had guys that I've been on dates with had a bad first kiss and then trained them up and then I've dated them for ages. You don't reckon that's a goer? Yeah. I mean, I it's it's not the man that I've ended up with, so maybe that is 
what it speaks to, that it can't go further than a year and a half. And that, Well, I, I get it. I understand it. Maybe that's what it is, And but Brooke doesn't have time for that. No, she does not. It was clear that she was trying to be as present as possible to these these emotions. I didn't make it easy on her, though. I made it even more difficult at the cocktail party when um, the old wedding ring came out one more time. Oh, that's, a, that's a teacup, so doesn't quite have the same ding as a crystal champagne flute full of water. In my notes, ting, ting, ting. <laughs> yeah. We have had late arrivals on The Bachelor many, a many a time. I reckon this is probably the one of the best ways we've ever done it. We, this is even better than when we dropped him in on a helicopter. This one was really, really good because everyone was relaxed, everyone was cool, ding, 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 here they are right now. And I took her glass off her. You've got no time to think about it, doll. Here they are. And that was so great. It was really cool. Well, I think that was a part of it, right? The fact that you were sort of like, I got to say, Osha, sometimes when you're like, particularly here, I was like, what a little shit stir. <laughs> you were like, here, Brooke, I'll take your wine. See ya. <laughs> Just the shoulder away and the smooth walk off. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again, Alicia. Logies don't win themselves. That's true. You gotta put the you gotta put the effort in. You gotta put the effort in. Four new uh, arrivals arrive, and it was just great. Millie showed up. Will with his glorious mustache. Jess. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> U-Haul lesbian key check. Pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. It's a good check because anyone will tell you that that is like something that my, my lesbian friends instantly connect on the meme that is lesbians moving in after two dates. Yeah. But so, so, so in America, there's a, uh, there's a basically, in America, there's a, a trailer company. They rent um, like trailers that you tow around with your car that you, people move their house with and the company's called U-Haul. And the joke is, what does a les- lesbian bring to the second date? A U-Haul. So good. <laughs> That's the joke. And clearly embracing that, em- em- embracing that, Jess. And then Luca. Luca, who he teaches kids, he's a primary school teacher. He's just, oh. Does jujitsu. Like- <laughs> very jujitsu. Like super jujitsu-y. He's very jujitsu-y. I was very intrigued to see how intimidated the OG participants were. In the sense that, like, oh, particularly Holly, I was like, babe, nothing to worry about. You've just had your single date. You're flying high at the moment. And she was not happy at all. I think the phrase was jacked up Aladdin to describe Luca. <laughs> and she, and then also someone, I picked up someone snidely said, probably telling her he could show her the world. <laughs> So, like, you know when you feel your your emotions are stretched about something and just the utterly ridiculous comes out of your mouth? Yeah. I was watching them and I was like, guys, play it cool. That's a pretty good line, though, let's be honest. Using Disney as a snark, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good line. Pretty impressed. Yeah, it's pretty good. I show up then in the rose ceremony and give them the four people enter, four people leave routine, which struck fear into the hearts. And it was often good night to Matt. Jess, Emily, and Rebecca, they all left us. It was like it was almost sort of like a red wedding, four in, four out. It was huge. I also always get so well, it was it was huge. I remember on on uh Brooke and I season, we had three intruders coming in. Jamie Lee was an intruder. And we had a similar situation in the sense that I think two people left. So it felt a little bit 
It felt like we were cutting really hard and fast and one intruder left and one OG person left and everyone was like up in arms being like, oh my gosh, someone who was here the whole time's left. But this was like the game has changed. Mm -hmm. So I think it speaks to that Brooke is a decisive person. She knows what she wants and she's a... I think she's a good, fast judge of character. I don't think that people should read this as like, oh, these people were in there and like they deserve to stay because they were in there from the start. To me, it's, uh, I know that, you know, Brooke's spoken about the fact that she really used these cocktail parties to get around and find out who these people are. She didn't want to leave a stone unturned. So I think what this speaks to is she knows, okay, I don't know these people yet and I do know these people and I don't see a connection. So let's just, let's do this. Yeah. To be honest, I'm very grateful that she did that because that also shows a great amount of respect to Jess, Matt, Emily and Rebecca. She's very much like, I'm, I'm not going to waste your time. I have an opportunity here to find love. But if I had to ask myself a serious question, I don't think it's going to be here. And that's no fault of you. It's no fault of me. It's just how it is. Goodbye. And it was great. I think it was great. You know, definitely setting up an excellent couple of shows next week. Oh, what a couple of what a couple of episodes. I'm this season is like easily I reckon this is the best season that we have ever shot of this show, without a doubt. In these two episodes between Holly, David, and Conrad, I'm just like, what is happening? And then I forget and then I re-remember that Jamie Lee's still there. And they like were so spicy at the beginning. So there's just so many people with deep connections and we still haven't scratched the surface of she's, there's so many single dates to come. So who knows who she's going to connect with? Maybe it will be Luca. Maybe it will be Will and his moustache. <laughs> it's a fantastic moustache. It's great. He arrived in a dirigible. That's what most people don't realise. It's glorious. It's an old hot air balloon. What a great couple of episodes. We'll be back next week with more Cocktails and Roses. If you want to watch the show so you can be up to speed, you can watch it on Channel 10, Wednesday, 7.30, or you can also catch the show on 10 Play. This is Cocktails and Roses. This is a 10 Speaks podcast. Thanks very much to Rachel Barrett and Ali Aiken, our producer. If you missed last week's show, you want to check out anything from last season of The Bachelorette, you can listen to all the podcasts and watch all the episodes. Cocktails and Roses, just check the 10 Speaks page on 10 Play. We're going to get out of here. Until we speak to you next week, uh, tell your friends about the show if they missed it, and we'll see you next Thursday.